0: Whether or not you know what the word transference means, I'm pretty sure you've experienced it. Today we're talking about what happens when human wounds become spiritual ones. On this episode of The Truth and Our Trauma. Christian Counseling on the Go, sign me up. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available to you wherever you are and on your schedule. And we've partnered with them to bring you 10% off of your first month. To sign up and get started, go to getfaithful.com forward slash valor. So today we're talking about transference and basically transference in the simplest way that I can explain it. Is when we take an experience that we have in a human relationship and often a painful experience we have in a human relationship and we apply it to our relationship with God. So we're basically transferring that experience and transposing it over our understanding of who God is and how we relate to him. So, to give you an example of transference, I'd like to invite you down memory lane. (laughs) And you can join me in the halls of my elementary school and meet this very intense principal that I had growing up. I have written about her before. I wrote about her in my abuse recovery devotional Safe Haven. I have mentioned her on a podcast before. (laughs) Um, I give this example because it is just so clear, though, she was not the only one, for example, that. I would say, is an example of what I'm trying to illustrate here. But she was very intense. I think I mentioned before that, you know, it was like if a drill sergeant and a cranky lunch lady had a baby, this would have been their child. And I just remember this like silver glinting whistle that she would always have just like purse between her lips, you know, and she was walking up and down the rows of students constantly. We were lined up at the flagpole and just making sure that we had our socks pulled up and our collars pulled out. And it was very it was very intense as a child. It was a frightening experience. And I know that that was probably not her intention, but that's exactly where it put me. And I really was afraid of getting in trouble and afraid of being disapproved of. And again, that's not all her fault that I felt that way. You know, some of that is our innate way of coping with things that that fear drove me to want to perform in ways that would help me to feel safe. You know, that where I felt threatened, or I felt uncomfortable that I had this inclination within myself to manage that by being good, basically. And so what happened, you know, with this principle is me moving into that that role of being the good student and getting approved of and staying out of trouble and then believing okay this is how you get along in life this is how this is how you avoid problems is you be good and of course then and that's reinforced by other relationships with other caretakers and adults and then what happens especially given that the school had a religious context to it that then is the way that I Started to view my relationship with God. I shouldn't even say relationship. That that's not a relationship. <laughs> um, but view the way that God looked at me. That He was pacing up and down the rows. That He was looking for the slouching socks and He was looking for the slumped over sweatshirt. You know, He was looking for all of the things that were not just so, and that I needed to make sure that I was good so that he would love me so he'd approve of me and then I would feel good about myself and then we could just go on with life the crazy thing is when I was writing safe haven I was reading the rough draft to my mother and I was reading it back to her and describing this principle and like my heart started racing and I started getting short of breath and my mom was like are you okay and I was like I think I think this is triggering me <laughs> I think this is even still like I was in my late 30s at the time and I was like I think this is still I think this is still alive in me <laughs> I think I got some stuff I need to work on So there's a variety of different ways that this comes up and that we can identify in our own thoughts about what god thinks about us one of the common ones i hear a lot from people who are struggling with this is well god wants me to learn a lesson he's trying to teach me a lesson that was one i definitely resonated with where it's this sense that it's like well we just have to perform a little better next time you know and and we this is hard because we know testing is a part of the faith life. This is the life of faith and and the the faith journey really is testing, but it's not seen as a testing that is like a loving preparation and working things out of you that need to be, you know, matured or strengthened. It is seen as like, oh, I just, I got to do better. You know, I just, he's teaching me a lesson because I just, I, I, I just never can get it. Sometimes this might feel like he's mad at you, you know, that you have this sense that he is displeased with you. You may have this sense that you need to work harder or that you have to stop messing up because at some point you may just mess up so many times that he's just going to be done with you. But other times it can be a, a reluctance or a reticence. Sometimes it can be like, well, you know, I don't know where he was before. You know, maybe, maybe he doesn't really care about me. You know, I went through these really difficult things and it, he didn't save me then. Maybe he just, he doesn't, maybe he does that for some people, but it doesn't do that for me. And of course, this can be layered and nuanced, but often I see a pattern of the way I feel safe is either by really trying to push in and to please God and make him happy with me because I see him maybe as displeased or, you know, having these demands that I need to meet. Or we may go the opposite way where we think of God perhaps as disinterested or disengaged. And so we find safety in that ambiguity by just being avoidant, you know, about it by sort of of stepping away from really concerning ourselves too much and sensing perhaps that we just need to rely more on ourselves. And in talking about this, I don't want to dismiss the fact that we all have real questions about the traumatic pieces of our story, and why they happened. You know, we all have these questions that we have to confront about where was God? And is he good? And can I trust him? Those are all very real things. And we'll talk about some of those in a future episode. So I don't want to miss the fact that there is an ambiguity here that is hard to approach. But something that is easier for us to approach at the very beginning when it comes to transference is that recognition that this is like what I talked about in, the, in a previous episode about the truth and lies and the fact that the enemy knows where you have been wounded in your story. And so where it is absolutely normal and natural for you to have questions or doubts, this is a place where he comes in and starts hissing those lies to create that infection. And so when you think about some of these questions that you have... But then the assumptions that start to come with those, for example, God's mad at you. Why even bother? Those types of things. Do those not sound like the accuser? Do those not sound like lies? And so where sometimes we get stuck because we're like, well, is it me though? Don't I think that? <laughs> that is, you're, not, you're, you're not on your own with this. You know, the enemy knows where you're low and he knows where to kick you. So as he is stirring up these lies and he's really trying to work on us, what he's doing again, as I mentioned, is there's that wounding, but it's that spreading of the infection. It is making this whole thing systemic so that that tendency that you have in you to either push in and perform or pull back and disengage, then he can use at his disposal to create a gap between you and God. And I know when we have that tendency to pull back, you know, that that. Picture of gap is obvious, but it's, the sa- it's actually the same thing when we are performing because we're not bringing our authentic selves. We're not bringing our whole selves to our relationship with the Lord. We're bringing a cleaned up fake version of ourselves to be approved of. And so in, in that, we're still hiding. It's just a different way. And if we go back to the garden, when Adam and Eve are hiding, the Lord comes for them and he says, where are you? you know, and the Lord knows where they are. (laughs) He's God. He knows exactly where they are. He knows what happened, but he is inviting them to come to him and to share it. And in their shame, they are blocked in some way. Because if we look at the way that Adam deals with that, he doesn't actually come clean. He says, oh, this woman you gave me made me eat this. So he just blames her, you know, and it's, even in that moment, Adam is not able to step into the vulnerability of being authentic with God because that shame is just too great. And to go one further, one of the ways this really gets cemented early in the way that we think God views us is when that type of wounding stems from the family of origin, stems from your parents or your caretakers, that God designed relationships to be places where realities about himself and about our relationship to him could be somewhat experienced, although in an imperfect way. And so to give you an example of what I mean, you know, we know that marriage is something that God created as a a living picture of of the fidelity that God has to his people that we see exhibited in the relationship between a husband and a wife. Now we know obviously that that can go off the rails, but that's what it's that's what its original intention is. The same thing is true of parents and children. And what our parents are supposed to do for us in our upbringing is not only tell us who we are and show us who we are, but image God the Father to us, show us what a loving and doting parent is like in an imperfect way that then we can, as we grow older, begin to move away from the dependence, emotional dependence on our parent and shift that into a dependency on God. And here's the thing, even in the best case scenario, you are an imperfect human, who was raised by imperfect humans. They didn't get it all right. There's no possible way they could have gotten it all right. And so there's always gonna be gaps, but sometimes those gaps are bigger. There's a difference between parents who are immature and parents who are immoral, for example, that the impacts that that may have on the child are gonna be different. So while we know that there is some imperfection that is built into that system, The capacity for wounding is great depending on the intentions of the parent. And so where this is supposed to be your first relationship, where you first encounter someone who is supposed to depict who God is in some sense and who you are to God, when they do not satisfy that responsibility, that creates wounding in us. But then also this expectation that then this is the way that the father views us and how he relates to us. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking, Get Out of Your Head and On With Your Life. And you can download it for free right now at uncommonvalor.co. So if we ever want to have the ability to actually ask God the hard questions and really be our full selves with him... This is one of the things that we have to know is in the way. This is one of the things we have to know is a barrier to relating authentically with God. And so what this does involve is looking at some of those early relationships, looking at those adults and caretakers in your life and seeing where this is the case, seeing where the way that you were harmed by humans, again, it's not even always early caretakers. Sometimes it's a horrible church leader that you had or people that were toxic in a congregation, you know, wherever this came from. But it's being able to separate out that these are the actions of people that while they should have represented and depicted who God is to me, they did not. That this is not a picture of who God is and he does not see me through this lens that I presume that he does. And even if we can't fully push that out of the way, you know, what we really can thrive on is curiosity. We can really thrive in the space of saying, "Lord, I don't know you or I don't understand you. I don't understand even maybe where I've got it wrong." But I want to try. I want to try. That's it. You know, we think about the Psalms and we look at the way that David approached God. David did not have his frilly socks on. Let me just tell you. (laughs) I think of like these churches that so many of us grew up in where we had these like, I call it frilly socks Christianity. You know, it was like we had to show up on Sunday and you had the gloves and the hat and the white frilly socks and the patent leather Mary Janes. But David did not come totally all cleaned up. David came and said things like, how long Lord, don't you see that this is going on? And God is not threatened by that. God is not an egomaniac, you know, where again, some who may have given you a wrong picture of God would have you potentially thinking then that God is so fragile that he can't handle that. Or, you know, that he is so unapproachable that how dare you bring that to him? That's not what we even see in scripture. What we do see in scripture is psalm 103 for example says that god knows that we are weak it says that he is a father who is tender and compassionate and that might feel like a foreign feeling or a foreign thought to think of a father as tender and compassionate depending on your story that might not even resonate that might not make sense and so where our human experiences have gotten these things just really tangled up and we don't know what to make of some of these things or we're frightened to even try to approach it god is so patient with us he knows this this psalm also says it knows he, that we're dust he knows we're dust he knows that we just are doing the best we know how and that we really can't make it without him and so when we just turn to him and are like i don't know <laughs> can you help me understand this he is so 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 near and here's what i know for sure, <laughs> is that even when we are not sure about God, He's still sure about us. He's still sure that we're worth it, that we are His kids, that He adores us. None of that ever changes. And He wants for us to take those painful experiences and to show them to Him and then have Him step into our pain and our grief and show us what a perfect parent is like, what a present parent is like. What a parent who is able to understand us completely and perfectly and nurture us so that we understand how this was supposed to go and that we understand who we really are in the process, that we can be reparented. No matter how old you are, you can still be reparented. You can become that child again. And where one way or another, we learned early, perhaps that dependency was unsafe and we had to become somewhat independent, very independent in many cases, that we can receive that invitation then to come back and be fully dependent on him and experience being parented in the way that it was always supposed to be. And what we regain by being met in those places of disappointment, by being able to say, God, this did not go the way that it should have gone, that you designed it to go, and having him perfectly meet us in those spaces, then not only do we receive this this healing that can come from him being in it with us, but it's also the restored identity of daughtership or sonship that... He had designed for every one of us to know and experience, again, somewhat imperfectly on the human side of things and more and more perfectly as we transfer our dependence onto him. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at UncommonValor.co.